now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright and so on. It's a rigorous training dished out who know all there is to know about horses and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sound of horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's episode, position of the horse's pelvic and how it affects movement, and watch this video, would you pick up this horse's feet, and also, why you never look a gifted horse in the mouth or the hooves. All this and much, much more will be discussed here on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, and over to my far right-hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Travis? You now don't lie to me. You're not doing good. I'm doing something. You told me on the way up here to the studio that you were arm wrestling a horse. And the horse won. Yeah, so tell me you're all stiff and tired and you're a little sluggish this morning. So tell me what you were doing arm wrestling this horse. Oh, she's a very quiet. She's played statue extremely well. <laughs> and she's a big girl. I tell everybody I do not do draft horse. I've got one draft horse I shoe. And she is polite, as polite to work around as any horse you could ever ever work on. Now, why don't you do draft horses? Because they're big and they're heavy and it takes a lot to do them okay so you're saying a gentleman by the age you know 30s and 40s could do this horse you on on the other hand let the young guys mess with these horses let the young guys mess with these horses she's always polite she's no problem putting a cradle under her all the way around but yesterday she wanted to play statue and not pick up a foot not that she would fight but she wasn't going to budge to help and just getting those big old legs up and those big old feet up get the cradle under when she sits in the cradle she didn't move but it's like oh geez now you, you physically have a cradle that goes underneath her belly and stuff well there's there is a piece on a hoof stand that you slide up under the hoof and prop the hoof up okay so i'm not holding the weight of her leg okay i've seen that well you got a hind leg and she's standing her on the on her own you're pretty much still dealing with basically the weight of you and that's making that's as long as she's standing on her other feet you know you don't want those big ones leaning on you because you're not going to be a problem up so how tall was this horse that you were messing with and what was the horse's name her name is fanny she's not that big for a percheron she's she's less than 17 hands okay like 16 two ish now you say you don't work on them because they're big horses now dominique our mare out there she's 16 two or 16 one or somewhere around there 22 23 you know i don't know what she is oh, she's not she's not near as big as this oh okay now when you say big like wide like heavy wide like heavy big big chunky horses okay your plow horses okay so like a absolute work horse field work an absolute field horse and, and there's not any real field horses much anymore most people that are doing that in this part of the country are doing it because it's entertaining if anything she's a trail riding horse at this point she used to pull wedding carriages oh nice and so you're all stiff and sore today are you taking it easy after the show or what do you got going on I take it easy every day travis <laughs> yes. i thought you knew so talking about taking it easy now here we are rounding out fall getting ready to go into the winter in the next month or so so all my grass has gotten dormant now i was telling you that i bush hogged the front field seeded it with tall fescue and so that field's ready to go we had a nice good rainstorm that's all coming in or all washed in the ground ready for next season the middle pasture is nothing but oak trees and pine needles so there's no real vegetation other than weeds and sometimes one of the horses will just eat the seed pods off the top of it right and then the back pasture where the mare is we have to totally redo that field because that is going to be where she's going to be brewed 
brooded, brood mare is what she's going to end mm-hmm. up being. So we have to fix the fescue and, and put something else out there. Now, with that being said, the grass isn't growing. So my wife is putting bales or, or flecks of hay, the Timothy Orchard, which is $15 for a compressed bale, putting it into the bins. Now, I know the horses need to eat. To a certain point, I understand that they need to eat. But when I see these flecks going into the bales, all I see is dollar signs. Because my wife, like everyone else, likes to see their horses not fat and happy, just happy. You know, oh, here's a little bit more kibble. Yeah. Here's a little bit more kibble. As she's throwing these bales of hay or the flecks of hay into their feed bins or the hay bins, there's already hay in there already. And I'm like, well, why aren't they eating that? And you're adding more to it. And the only thing I can explain in my mind, I said, you know, he's just eating the marshmallows out of the cereal, you know, and leaving the cereal there. He's eating all the good parts and just leaving the bad parts. That's what you're doing. I don't do that. No, I eat it because I eat the whole entire cereal because I paid for the damn cereal. <laughs> okay. Well, you're paying for the hay. I know. But the problem is there's hay already in the bin and it just drives me insane that my wife will go, this is fresh. This is today's hay. And then yesterday's hay is underneath that and the day before's hay is underneath that. Now, granted, yes, every four or five days she'll go out there and, and dump all that hay out in the pasture somewhere and hopefully that'll seed. But do you keep adding hay no matter what? Oh, this is today's feed. This is today's feed. This slop. I know there's a movie out there. I think it was um, Back to the Future where the doc had an automatic dog feeder and it just kept dumping the food, the dog food on top of the dog food on top of the dog food. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't I don't know a good answer to that. I know that depending on the quality of the hay, there may be some stuff in there they don't like as much. Yeah. How much are they being fed and is this a reasonable amount for the horses or are they be, they're putting more hay in front of them than they actually need? Yeah, and that's, that's what I think is happening. But don't tell my wife that and hopefully she'll listen to the show like three weeks later and go, well, what did you mean by that? <laughs> right. So, all right, guys, we got a big show to get into, so stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the official farrier in the 2018 World Equestrian Games. And make sure if you have a question for Mike Stein, you get it on over to equinedynamics.com. Fill out that little form there and send your questions in. We'll read them here on the air. And if we read your questions, make sure you also put a return address on there. and We'll send you out some madness, some stickers and stuff. And also, don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a video portion as well. Today would be another great show for you to go over to the YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe over our YouTube because we've got a, a crazy horse. It's like the opposite of what Mike was working with yesterday. And you want to see this video, go over to YouTube as well. Make sure you like, subscribe as well. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Travis? Doing all right. Now, we're going to talk about the position of the horse's pelvic and how it affects movement. Yeah, we're talking about the pelvis of the horse and positioning, meaning is the pelvis under the horse, out behind the horse? Is it tilted one way, high, low, as far as one side being lower than the other? Is it cocked where it's not straight in line with the body? If you've got a horse that is a little stuck in the pelvis and it is 
just say one side shifted slightly forward that on its own you want a horse to push straight forward that puts the push in a direction where it's not straight forward with the body and pelvis is strictly rear end it has rear nothing all rear end it yeah. doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with the front or anything oh, like it has that. everything to do with the front oh, okay because that's the motor that's the motor pushing but if you're pushing in an odd position in the back end the front's going to have to compensate at some level ideally when you're out a horse trotting out you want them coming right at you if my pelvis is cocked and it's pushing the rear end around to the right or to the left that on its own is going to change the flight pattern of the front end didn't we come up with a word for that last time i, I called it crabbing or something where it crabbing. kind of we'll crab walking yeah, yeah sure we'll go crab walking dog tracking not going in the direction the body's aimed working with performance horses a lot of people these days will use a chiropractor and they can certainly help anything to do with you know the barrel the way the, the rider rides i had someone the other day that is wearing a great big knee brace where they were talking about getting the horse to ride they've been off of it for a while and want to know what i thought and i said how do you want your horse to ride and they're like what do you mean i said you know i had a, a little incident a few years ago where somebody had a busted up knee and they started riding with one of those great big hinge knee braces and all of a sudden the horse's movement pattern went a little crazy and i started getting these calls about you need to do something because my horse is the knee brace was hitting them so they were twisting the barrel out to the side to get away from the pressure of the knee brace when you put somebody on the horse that was not wearing the knee brace it didn't do that I don't know how to work around that knee brace. It was rider interference at that point. That pressure cocked the rib cage out, cocked the pelvis around. On the other end, you know, from front to back on a horse, if you've got a pelvis cocked to one side, if you look down that horse's back, it kind of rolls the barrel with the way that the pelvis is wanting down most of the time, nothing's always, and the body will bulge out a little more on that side, and the back ends up curved. You know, they're curved in the womb, the way they lay in there, and they're always straightened out. And also, you start taking the pelvis and drawing an arrow in the direction that the pelvis is aimed. Is that lined up with the rest of your horse's body? Well, you had the picture last week where the horse was kind of like a serpentine. Right. And the mane was laying on the, in that pocket where it bowed out to the one right. side. Yeah, and if they're uneven in the back end, their movement pattern is going to have to, to work around that in the front end become uneven, and then you end up with uneven shoulders, and you end up with uneven muscling and, and on, on down the line. The other thing is anything that cocks the pelvis out behind itself. Okay, a bad-fitting saddle. If that saddle is biting them in the back, they're going to duck their back out, which is going to push the pelvis out behind them. And as far as the effect on the hind legs, remember us talking about that whole low palmer angle thing? Yes. Well, if we shove the pelvis out the back, we try to start straightening the hock and stifle. And when you do that, we start getting more downforce in the back of the foot, which starts compressing the palmar angle. We're talking about the palmar angle not allowing the leg to flex. Well, same thing from the top end. The pelvis isn't going to allow the leg to flex, so it pushes the you know pushes the hind leg straight and shoves the palmar angle down. Now you were talking about the chiropractor having a chiropractor come out and, and kind of move and, and adjust the horse as well. Right. Now uh, my wife also has the electrolysis thing mm-hmm. or the the shock wave. The shock wave. Okay. Now is that part of getting the the pelvic to straighten, or is that strictly muscle? Anything that is muscular is tied to the movement pattern of the horse right so yes i'm guessing they're working on muscles i don't know what they're using the shockwave on to treat at this point all of it is tied together the muscles the skeletal frame what i'm doing on the ground what the rider is doing you know rider interference is something that is a constant as far as us dealing with trying to keep horses together you know dealing with people's horses coming up with problems down the road now you mentioned rider interference a few weeks back a prime example was my wife forgot she left her spur on right on this new gelding that we had and she made you know the mistake of the spur actually dug up into the horse and she forgot and the horse threw her so i can't imagine what just well then she became not an interference real fast (laughs) yes she did but i mean i can 
I can see like where a knee brace would almost have the same effect. Yeah, exactly. Not to pick on people who've worn knee braces because I've certainly had mine on more than one time. Sure. You, every time you come over here to do our horses, you have like magnetic tape straps and everything all over your body. And duct tape and, and a baling wire, you can hold anything together. So paying attention to how that pelvis rotates when it moves because, you know, when a horse is trotting, it's up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, back and forth, back and forth. And is it the same range of movement up and down on each side? Also, forward to back, when it's moving, is is one side of the pelvis twisting forward further than the other side, okay? Because you want a nice, even rotation of the pelvis and movement of the pelvis. If the horse is not, we're just talking about the whole leg flexion back thing. If, if you got a horse that is, for some reason, the pelvis is cocked around because of something that happened happened up top we're talking about that one hind toe that tends to toe out and if it does it drops and twists the pelvis for the horse to get comfortable he's going to have to go more into that kind of a position you know we can do what we're doing from the ground but if you do not take care of what's driving the pelvis out of position from up top we are constantly chasing it and that could be saddle fit that can be rider sitting off to one side that can be we were out in the field acting like fools when we hurt ourselves <laughs> that's what happens to me most of the time out just cutting a fool in the field then that's going to have a direct effect on what is happening with your palmar alignment, going to have an effect on the rotation of the limb in and out. That is going to have a direct effect on limb flexion and limb movement. Now, we have some videos up on the YouTube channel of Ray Morse, a good friend of yours who yes. unfortunately passed away too soon, uh, and he was a horse massager. The video's in three separate segments. Uh, they're like maybe 10, 15 minutes long. And getting up in there and watching Ray Morse, he, I mean, he digs his hand into the back of that, that horse, and he can feel... All the and it shows you how to to look for all the the different irregularities that a horse would be. So if you're not doing that now, this would be a great chance for you to take the moment and and right. dive that's, into that. That's one of those things. Just a few little small stretching. Somebody can learn a little bit. You can pick up some stuff from Ray and just start playing with loosening some things up with the body yourself. And you'd be amazed if you can do ten or fifteen minutes on every two or three days how much you can do to loosen up a horse. It's just with a little bit of training you can do that, and that'll help the pelvic. That'll help the pelvis. That will help free up. There's places we need to work on to free up the shoulders. The shoulders, how they move directly affect the hind end. The hind end directly affects the front end. If we've got a horse that's collapsed in the back, it pushes the pelvis out behind it, which affects how the hind legs flex. If you got a rider problem that's one-sided, well, there you go again. I think there was a nursery rhyme like the hip bones connect to the knee bone and the knee bones connect. Something like that, yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. All right, guys, stick around. If you're not on the YouTube channel, now's a great chance to go over there now because we have this video of a horse that Mike has encountered before. Not this exact horse, but how he handles it, and he'll give his demonstration on how to stop a kicking horse. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Steinerbeck.
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the 2017 Eventing Championship Farrier. And if you'd like to ask Mike Stein a question, the way you do that is go to equinedynamics.com. Fill out that little form there and get your questions in. Make sure you put podcasts in the subject line. Also, if you'd like to have Mike Stein come out and speak at your event or do a clinic at your location, then you can fill out the clinic section on the equinedynamics.com and Mike will get you scheduled. Spots are filling up quick, so make sure you get it in because it's getting towards the end of the year and people want him to come out there, speak at their event. And over my far right side is Mike Stein and all his stuff. How you doing, Travis? <laughs> Had to talk to you this morning. I know. We spent a good uh, 45 minutes up here in the studio just catching up and Mike, I can see Mike in his face. I'm like, Mike. Mike, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, I am sore. I'm like, you look like you're sore messing with that draft horse. Mm -hmm. Now, when you shoe horses, outside of the one that wanted to be a statue, on the total opposite of that is you have a horse that would get all agita, is what my wife would say. It's all panicky and stuff. How do you deal with it? And if you want to see this video, uh, I'm going to show this video, and Mike's going to break down a step-by-step on how to tame. Sometimes it's best just to turn around and go home. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not getting kicked in the head today. But this guy right here is giving a small little lesson on what to do when you got a horse a farrier going out there with a horse and he's going to start kicking let me see if i can start this from the beginning all right so if you want to see this video go over to youtube and you can see this video of this young guy it looks like a young farrier he's trying to get this horse's foot up so he can uh, attach a shoe or just trimming and stuff so here you go you ready mike yes here we go Woo! Oh. once you let that toe go this happens yeah. But so what you, were you saying <laughs> when the horse does that, it's time for you to... Sometimes get... it's just time to turn and go home. <laughs> well, listen to what this guy's saying. So here we go. Right. Little rib cage. So he's wrapping his arm around the rib cage. I want to be where she can't bite me. I want to be where she can't kick me. Ooh. Oh. That horse is kicking. Yeah, she's not playing. And I'll see if I can advance and retreat. So explain what he, where his hand is right there and what he's doing. Well, the, one, the one hand is across, the arm is across the back, and he's snugged up against the horse. Okay. That's a couple things. If that horse spins away from him, spins him into to you, he's going to slam you around. As his hand's across the back of the horse, as the horse goes back and forth or whatever, he just floats with it. The other thing is keeping your body out of range of getting kicked, and he's trying to ease his hand down to where he can touch the leg and start getting a little control there and a little bit past the horse's attitude. <laughs> right, so here we go. You know, if you go down to grab him low, he'll he'll kind of try to remove your hand. Now, what's he trying? He's trying to break the fetlock? Trying to get break the fetlock. He's, he's pulling on the back of the hock, just trying to get a little weight off the fetlock, and he's easing in and out and trying to get the horse to be okay with the, the movement. And and being touched there. And being touched, yeah. If far down the cannon bone, then I can be kicked in my hand pretty hard. Right. So I pull that and up. I've had that happen. Let her relax. Rub her up here. So he's trying to keep her in a position okay. where he has, you know, he's keeping him safe because she can't hook him. And uh, now, where he's rubbing the horse on the butt, it's like right where the tail meets the right. body. Is that a, a zone for a horse to relax him, or is that just what happened? Stands where his hand would be. Because I know my wife, when the horse is facing me, she says, "Take my thumbs and rub it on the inside of the horse's ears." That's like right. a oh, that feels so good. Well, watch the Ray Morris video, and it'll show you some good contact points on that back end. When I've done that, I don't necessarily do that but i'm trying to keep them quiet and give them something that feels a little more like grooming than something you got to kill right so now to explain what he's doing 
Okay, he is stepping under. He's getting a hold of the toe. When I'm working on the back end of a horse, and they start, you can feel them start trying to put their foot down a little bit or push it down. If you can keep that toe, you just cup the foot and keep it turned up. It kind of keeps them flexed in the back end so they can't slam their foot down on top of yours. In my mind, it's like, you ever seen those karate guys where they take your hand and they fold it back towards you? Basically, they have control little, over you. <laughs> a little bit. You have, it gives you some control of the leg. Right. On the other end, you need to step back and look at the owner and say, somebody needs to manage this horse train this horse put some ground manners on it and get in your truck and drive home because (laughs) when that thing busts you up you wonder why this guy's wearing a big knee brace yeah exactly i didn't even notice that he does have one of the knee braces on. he's got one of those knee braces on and probably due to something horses have done to him over the years twisted him up and around so here he goes but in in that you've learned how to manage those situations a little better on on the other end these days as many horses are out there compared to the population of farriers we shouldn't be doing that back when when I started, there were so many young fairies starting every year. We did anything and everything and, and did that sort of a horse. And we put shoes on that sort of a horse. But nowadays, things are different. In our area, at least, in a lot of places in the country, you see very few young ones getting in. And I've had Oops. people call me saying, I got to shoe a horse like that because the young guys won't. Okay, so expect me to go over there and get <laughs> beat up on your horse. It's not happening. Getting busted up. All right, so here's the end result of, of him grabbing that hoof and bending it up. So there he goes. So you said that the horse, doing that, the horse can't put its leg back down or can't extend its leg. Right. Is you, that- you kind of cup it up and you keep it there without that much effort. And then the horse is quieting down decide, well, I don't want to kill this guy. Now, uh, a horse that's broken as to a wild horse dealing with their feet. Any difference? No. Um, you know, Sally was off the range, and I got him where I could handle his feet. And Pegasus, the old horse, it took me a long time with him, but I got him where I could handle his feet. And both these guys were Mustangs off the range. You know, I worked in a round pen with, with them free. I never had either one of them tied when I did the work, but it was just a lot of slow movement. You get to a point, get to a point, that's okay, back off, we can come to the next tomorrow. Sally I moved much quicker with, but I worked him in the round pen. And by the time we were done, I could put a, put his all four feet on a hoof stand and then walk around him and come back, and he'd stand there with his hoof on the hoof stand and stand there quietly like that. <laughs> Wait for you. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't take that long with him to do it. Now, Pegasus, he was an older guy when he came in out of the wild. And we never lost that wild. And Sally, he was more like a year and a half when he came in. Pegasus was more like 12, 13, 14 when he came in. So he already had his bad attitude or any kind of bad habits already. Well, to him, they weren't bad habits. He was just who he was <laughs> until people got involved. And he learned that people were, according to him, stupid. Right. <laughs> I feel that way sometimes. All right, guys, stick around. we got one more segment to get into. And we'll let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. You know the facts Relax Don't be stupid Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He is now a licensed thoroughbred farrier through the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. And if you'd like to ask Mike Stein a question, feel free to do that at any time. Go over to equinedynamics.com, fill out the little form that says contacts, and make sure you put podcasts in the subject line and a return address, and we'll send you out some magnets, some stickers, and some keychains as well for being part of the show. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Travis? Doing all right. Make sure you follow him on Facebook as well, because believe it or not, Mike, this is the end of season three. Wow. 
while. Yes, I know. It's been a long time. <laughs> season three, three seasons down in the books. Uh, after this show, we're going to take a couple weeks off, regather ourselves. We got a whole list of uh, interviews, people coming in in the studio. So make sure you stick around for season four. We're going to take about two weeks off. And if you have any suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear Mike talk about, uh, make sure you get those over to the equinedynamics.com at the top of the page. Fill out that form contacts and uh, we'll discuss them all on season four coming up here in the next couple weeks. Entertaining you and teaching you how to create sounder horses from the ground up. Um, now, Mike. Yes. Um, there's an old saying, never look a gifted horse in the mouth. Now, you say never look a gifted horses in the hooves. No, really, in reality, you should look at their feet and look at their mouths okay. and decide it wasn't a gift. Well, well, back then, it was it was considered rude. Back in the 1800s or when the United States was traveling, the big conquering of the West, people used to give horses for, you know, hey, thanks for helping me move my trailer. <laughs> Here's a horse, you know, type deal. I don't want this horse. It's got long teeth and the hooves aren't right. But right. you say, of course. That you should take a look and think about what's going on. I had a situation that falls right in this category a few years ago. Okay. A client bought a horse. Horse. They brought the horse to the barn. The front feet had about, I don't know, looked like maybe about three rolls of casting material over top of the feet. And I was talking to the owner. I said, okay, what's going on here? Oh, they just did that because the horse has such good feet. They didn't want to mess them up, so they keep them in casting and nail to the casting. As I roll my eyes in the back of my head, I know that's not right. Right. <laughs> and, you know, when you're buying horses, if they've got some kind of odd shoe package on them or something like that, you need to back up and take a look because... You could be possibly buying a problem. Hidden problem. And it's probably not that hidden if you look a little further. And I don't typically get involved in pre-vet checks, but these days you can certainly take a picture with your phone and send it to your farrier. And what and what do you think about this being on this horse I'm thinking about purchasing? What am I looking at and what are you seeing, basically? Right, exactly. That could get you out of buying some things that might be missed in a vet check. If, if a horse has something that is majorly therapeutic on as far as the shoeing, there's probably a reason for it. And do you want to buy that? It's just like uh, pictures of horses, sell horses that are standing in grass. To hide the feet. To hide the feet. Happens all the time. If they've got nice feet, you bring them out on the hard top to take your pictures, and you, you can show the feet. Now, I don't know the, the series of events that happened when we bought the gelding. I just remember my wife showing me pictures. Oh, look at his movement. Look at his movement. Look how good he is. I, me not knowing anything, I'm like going, okay, I can see the horse moving around. I can see it going in a circle. But I don't know if you were to look at that picture. You're like, oh, it's low on the back. It's high in the front. It's all this other stuff. But that's my job. That That is your job. Yes. So some people out there need to get some kind of, unless they, not that my wife. Well, it's not a professional, but she knows what she's looking for, but some people out there just don't know. Right, and owners can learn to look, and that's why we're, we've done educational venues for owners, because you know, to make the whole horse industry better, and for the owners, the best thing they can do is have some education. You can learn to watch a horse, and you can learn some, some tricks that I've been taught by many others in my career that I use. You know, people are like, how do you pick up on that so fast? There, there are a few tricks to it that you could learn, and that's where, where the clinics come in. And also, take advantage of the professionals that you're surrounded or surround yourself with professionals, i.e. your vet, your farrier, a, g- a good farrier such as yourself, Mike, that's got a, you know, a laundry list of, of qualifications and a good trainer, 
use those people. Don't feel bad not reaching out to them and asking their opinion. Hey, what do you think about this? And make sure those opinions that you're giving back, you trust those opinions. Right. I'm trying to remember, did Brett go down with your wife to take a look at that horse? Yes. And I think I got a message from Brett, most likely. Yes. Yeah. And all that was kosher dill as far as getting that horse here. Right. You know, because my wife would have said, oh, we're going to get this horse, but he needs this. And I would have said, but we're not getting the horse. You know? No, but, you know, I've known Brett for a long time, working on a lot of his clients' horses. And if he goes, a lot of times I'll get, I might get a picture or something or something he's asking me about. What do you think about, is this something we can work with or is it to the point we don't need to work with? Now, Brett was, uh, we had him in the studio back in season two. Right. Uh, so this, it's the same gentleman that we're talking about. Now, Brett, understand, would see this horse, this new horse that we have, Diego. He sees a future for that horse. Right. And he was even telling my wife, hey, that horse entry level getting into shows is going to be the bell of the ball right he's not just doing it to sell a horse he's in it because he's got mike am i boring you you're boring today buddy <laughs> trying to keep me up to speed he's got a you know he's got a, a skin in the game too because this is sure his horse. you know this is the horse i trained i represent this horse this horse his reputation's on the oh line. yeah oh yeah and and he's got a great reputation as well all right guys stick around when we come back we'll talk about what we learned today you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sound of horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman ferry with an APF1 accreditation. Are you awake over there, Mike? I'm awake. Okay, I'm awake. good. So what did we learn today? Uh, the position of the horse's pelvis and how it affects movement. Right. Anything that affects the pelvis movement will affect the way the horse travels. It will affect its gates. It will affect the front end. It will affect the way the horse carries their head. And if you want to see the video of that kicking horse in the ferrier and the video of how he managed to control that that back foot or that back hind quarter you can check that video out over at youtube and mike what was your uh, analysis of that horse foot well he he's right about how to ease in on the leg and how to keep it under control without getting yourself killed but reality of the situation is more and more with groundwork and obedience else, it's not my job to train a horse and sometimes you need to go home it's not worth getting put in the hospital over. kicked in the head or something like that and you say always look a gifted horse in the mouth and or the hooves Yes, if you're looking to buy horses and you're coming across shoeing that is obviously not standard shoeing, that does not work around the event you're you're looking for, start scratching your head, start asking some questions. Also, take pictures, send to your farrier. If it's your regular farrier, he won't mind taking a quick look and saying, hmm, okay, why are they doing this? And then think about it before you get into, or do you want to bring that home? So if you have any questions for Mike Stein, make sure you go over to equinedynamics.com. Fill out the contact section at the top of the page. Make sure you put podcasts in the subject line. We'll send you out some magnets, some stickers if you put a return address. And if you'd like to have Mike Stein come out and speak at your event or your establishment, make sure you go over to Equine Dynamics and fill out the clinic section. And make sure you follow him on YouTube and Facebook as well. Mike, you're always posting interesting articles up there on your Facebook feed as well uh, to continue your education as far as the horse world in general. This will be the end of season three. Uh, Don't forget, we're going to take about two weeks off and then come back with season four. So make sure you like, subscribe, and share to us on all your podcast catchers out there as well. iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and much, much more. On behalf of Mike Stein over there. Have a good one. My name is Travis Holmes saying see you next season. All of the doggies.
Kings are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream. 